0: This is the Front Page Podcast from the Red and Black. I'm Nidori Jenkins. This week, we will discuss our January 27th issue. First, we will be speaking with Simran Kaur-Mahotra, the health editor, about the rise of COVID-19 cases as a result of the new Omicron variant and its impact on healthcare providers. Then, Carson Barrett, contributor to the Opinion Desk, talks about his article on the blog by the Supreme Court of President Biden's vaccine requirement. Support for this podcast is provided by the Cox Institute for Journalism, Innovation, Management, and Leadership. For more information, visit grady.uga.edu slash coxinstitute. Simran, welcome to the front page, and thank you for taking the time to talk to me about your article on the spread of the Omicron variant and its impact on healthcare workers. First, let's address how the Omicron variant is spreading around campus, especially in recent weeks.
1: Well, the transmission rate is definitely higher than we've ever seen before from just the analysis and and the data that's coming out. Uh, Currently... The county and the state data show that the transmission rate is uh, lowering, but UGAs continues to go upwards. And so that's having a huge impact on the local health professionals here, which is what, of course, the article was about.
0: In what ways is the higher transmission rate of the Omicron variant affecting this reacclimation back to normalcy that we were expecting after two years of pandemic life? How are healthcare providers responding to this increase?
1: Well, from everyone I've talked to who is uh, working in the Athens hospitals and clinics, they're burnt out, honestly. They're overwhelmed. They had the same, you know, uh, realizations and the hopes that, you know, after this year, COVID will be over. After this month, COVID will be over. But they're the ones that are having to work so hard day and night, see people die right in front of themselves, you know, see kids get sick. And so it can really pay, uh, uh, you know, have a toll on their mental health. And that's what they continue to experience. Um, And so it's
0: definitely concerning. Now, how is UGA handling COVID 19? How is this detrimental to students and the Athens community? And even how are these policies affecting the spread and, in turn, creating an influx of patients for healthcare providers? Right.
1: Well, UGA is huge, right? And uh, recently we've had some great news come out with winning the national championship. Um, You know, coming back to even in-person school, education is huge. There's a huge difference between in-person learning and teaching and being able to connect with your professor or professor connect with their student in comparison to everybody being behind their screens, right? And Mm so all of these things are new and, and they're big celebrations, the thing that we forget um, as students and as faculty, and especially as the people who are creating policies at the University of Georgia, is that these celebrations, these parades, these wins, and even in classrooms, with Omicron having such a high transmission rate, essentially no one is safe. And it's really hard to see who is immunocompromised, who is not. Who is vaccinated, who is not. And so, um, you know, it's had a huge impact. I see and hear from students who don't get, you know, excuses, even though they've been, um, like, their roommates gotten COVID 19 mm. and they're not able to quarantine and things like that. And so, I do think the policymakers at the University of Georgia uh, could do better while still trying to implement a new normalcy. You know, Mm -hmm. I know they highly suggest masks and getting vaccinated, but I do think in those larger classrooms, it should be something that may be mandated because of those people who are immunocompromised and who do need that help and need uh, to take these classes, but also stay safe.
0: Now, let's talk a little bit about vaccines. This is Covered in depth on the Athens Frontline podcast, but can you talk a little bit about the Athens Clark County vaccination rate, UGA vaccination rate, and ultimately this resistance to vaccination in Athens Clark County that we've been seeing? Why are vaccines so important in keeping our communities safe and very beneficial in relieving some of this stress off of healthcare workers?
1: Right. There's, you know, I guess sides to this. Either uh, the people who aren't vaccinated yet are uneducated about the vaccine and how important it is, or they're just completely anti-vax and they're misinformed, um, which could be fit into the uneducated as well. But I think they do think they're educated versus those who really don't know anything about it. Um, so. There's obviously disparities um, amongst people with their access to vaccines and access to testing as well and masks and so on. But the issue is that these variants that we've been seeing from the previous one, Delta, to now Omicron, these variants come out through unvaccinated individuals. So with about 52% of the athens Clark County being unvaccinated, that's more bodies. The virus really doesn't care about your political beliefs. It doesn't, it just needs a host body to replicate, to mutate, and to, at some points even, it can become vaccine resistant, right? It could have a variant where your vaccines can't keep up with them. And so we want to be able to keep up with such a deadly virus. And that's why we need vaccines to make sure that they um, can cover the variant that is going about versus it being in a host body essentially in mutating to something that the vaccine and as humans we just can't catch up to and so now right now the majority of Athens Clark County uh, is just a slight majority is unvaccinated and so uh, you know I wouldn't be surprised if we see another variant out of coming out of Omicron as well, uh, of COVID-19 that would spread a- across our community, which is again, incredibly concerning, not only for us, but more so the healthcare workers that are having to deal with,
0: with these host bodies essentially. Additionally, there are a lot of testing shortages with this increase. Um, and so kind of how are healthcare workers feeling about these shortages um, along with, these, with this surge?
1: Yeah, I mean, it doesn't help at all, right? I know like uh, a lot of policymakers, including Biden, said that we're going to have a lot of um, testing and they just started the at-home orders for tests as well. But essentially we needed that during the peak, right? People don't know if they have COVID, they don't know if they have the flu, they don't know if they have the cold, especially with it being that flu season um, in, in the winter. And so people not being able to get tested and know what they have they don't come to the realization that they just might have COVID before they go on to the next party or the next celebration or the next social gathering or even class. So having that testing shortage really keeps us in the dark about what we may be um, uh, experiencing symptom-wise. And so I think that's like the biggest issue that comes out of these shortages.
0: his article on the block by the Supreme Court of President Biden's vaccine requirement. Carson, welcome to the Front Page Podcast, and thank you for taking time to provide more detail about your article. For our listeners who may not be familiar, what is the Occupational Safety and Health Administration's vaccine requirement and what would it have mandated? Why wasn't it passed by the Supreme court?
2: Right, so the mandate said that employers with over a hundred employees had to either vaccinate all employees or test weekly. And those who remained unvaccinated they had to test and also wear a mask while indoors. The Supreme Court did block the mandate because they found that the OSHA and the Occupational Safety and Hazard Administration, it, it, it was too broad. The OSHA doesn't decide on public health measures. It should decide only on workplace safety matters.
0: In terms of campus life, why is the blockage of this mandate so important?
2: Well, it set a precedent for the university system of Georgia. Had it been allowed, USG would have had more precedent to impose their own mandate and they could have used it as, you know, a backbone, but because it was blocked, you know, USJ really doesn't have any reason to go forward with their own vaccine mandate. Not even the federal government can impose their own and they can kind of just continue to say, you know, we encourage vaccines, get vaccinated, We encourage testing, you know, tests hopefully, but it still leaves many students and workers on campus unvaccinated at risk for contracting COVID.
0: Additionally, how have tensions built between federal legislation and state legislation? Can you talk about this with specific regard to the executive order by President Biden requiring most federal contractors to have all covered employees vaccinated?
2: Yeah, so that is like a that's a different mandate that was passed in like September, and it Mm -hmm. also got challenged but hasn't been to the Supreme Court yet where federal contractors did have to ensure vaccination for employees and so that applied more to UGA because um, UGA obviously is a research facility and we have a lot of contracts with the federal government and so any you know student or um, faculty that worked you know with or around that contract had to get vaccinated but there definitely was that tension because you have like Brian Kemp and the Georgia legislature being like very, you know, anti, you know, it's your choice, anti-vaccine, you know, with regards to COVID and, you know, saying we're gonna block everything, we're filing suit against this, we're gonna do that. Um, And then you have the federal government saying, you know, this is in our authority, you know, these are our federal contracts that these people, you know, the university has decided to take And so one of our requirements for taking this is now getting vaccinated. And there is definitely that conflict there.
0: There have been vaccine requirements already passed by the Supreme Court. So what message is the court sending by passing this legislation um, as opposed to others and by blocking this OSHA vaccine requirement?
2: Yeah, well, I do wanna make um, like an important remark with the OSHA mandate, even though it was blocked, corporations if they decide to still can't impose their own mandates, which we've seen um, in a couple companies, um, like I think McDonald's um, and a couple other ones, but those mostly applied to uh, like white collar, like the office workers anyways, and also the US's two biggest companies, Amazon and Walmart haven't opposed anything. but in regards to the health and human services mandate, the court did find that that was constitutional because the health and human services purpose is to protect patients' safety and security. And so part of that, you know, is getting vaccinated against COVID for these vulnerable people in hospitals and stuff um, to make sure that they don't, you know, catch something with um, compromised immune systems. Um, And so the court found that um, healthcare facilities which partake in medicare medicaid programs do have to get vaccinated they get vaccinated or you can't work
0: lastly can you talk about the recommendation of unionization that you made in your article and provide a little bit more detail about why you believe this is one of the best methods to get legislation on vaccination requirements passed
2: yeah so unions a lot of people aren't familiar with them just because We don't learn about them that much in schools, but unions are basically workers coming together um, and forming an organization where they'll, it's called a process called collective bargaining, where you'll have the union, which is the employees and the employers, they'll come to the table or they'll go through a negotiator, whatever it is. And they'll, you know, hash out agreements of their contract, whether, you know, usually you see that with like healthcare, you know, you're cutting our healthcare, we still wanna keep our plans. Or you're cutting our pay. You're doing this, and we don't. We don't agree with it. Um, and so, with vaccines, they can do the same thing. Unions can say we want a vaccine mandate, and then go to the table with employers and hash out, you know, exemptions. You know, religious or health reasons, and um, you know, reach an agreement on it. Um, but unions have been really hurt in this country I think I don't know how many states but many states are right to work states which basically means you have a right to work which sounds really great but in actuality it means unions can't compel you to pay membership fees or can't compel you to do anything because you have this right to work that you don't have to join a union if you don't want to um, and so, cutting that membership fee really like hypes up. It's called the free rider problem. And so, you're getting the same benefits of a union without having to pay in. But at the same time, it's cutting the union's power, so it gets weaker and weaker. Um, and then, you know, you really, you know, if only if less than half the employees are in the union, you really don't get as much say as a you know a fully strength union with all the employees coming together. Um, but if we are to get unions like stronger in this country, they can you know, come to the table with employers and impose their own mandates, which you know, unions are kind of split on. Some unions you know, want mandates, some unions would rather not have mandates. And so that's kind of up to the union at that point.
0: This has been The Front Page. The Front Page is a production of the Red and Black Publishing Company the stories discussed in this episode in the paper edition or on redandblack.com. Make sure to download our app and keep up with us on social media. We hope to see you next week.